Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, 2, and 3 simply says this. It's on the screen. Now, faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good testimony. By faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God so that the things which are seen were not made of things which are visible. Last Sunday morning I started a series of messages on faith and I began to talk to you about how to activate our faith. And we used the word faith as an acrostic to learn how to have our faith activated. The letter F stood for faith which is the root word of faithful. If there's an issue with faithfulness there's a problem with your faith. The letter A is for activation. Faith is activated through our words, through what we speak. The letter I is the word intercession. Faith is realized through believing prayer and intercession. What is, the promises of God are born through prayer. T is time. Time is the test of faith. He that endures to the end shall be saved. H represents heaven. And we are believing for God's will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And we ended the service last Sunday morning here at the altar singing that beautiful chorus, Heaven came down and glory filled my soul. As believers, we're called to infuse our faith into an unbelieving culture. Faith is a powerful force. Philip Yancey defines faith as believing in advance something that will only seem logical when seen in reverse. Several weeks I had, I've had the thought, Faith has a voice. I even made a note. I, I just, when I have thoughts, sometimes I'll go in and start making notes. Sometimes I'll get several thoughts and I'll write them down and that'll form the basis of a sermon that I'll build out of those thoughts later. But I just wrote that and, and it just simply says this, faith has a voice. Our words give voice to the power of faith in our life. So faith speaks. So we must learn how to align our thoughts and our words with the word of God. How do we realign our thinking? How do we bring our thinking into alignment with God's will for our lives? Well, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 23 and 24 says, Be renewed in the spirit of your mind, and that you put on the new man which was created according to God in true righteousness and holiness. Proverbs 23, 7 says, As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. So we have to deal with our thinking. We have to deal with our mindsets. So what are you speaking today over your family? What are you declaring today over your finances, your health? What about the promises that God has made to you? What about your own potential? What are you speaking over your own potential today? Faith is a powerful tool in our arsenal. Listen to the words of Jesus in Mark eleven twenty through through 24. So Jesus answered and said to them, have faith in God. For assuredly I say to you, whoever says to this mountain, be removed and be cast into the sea, does not doubt in his heart, but believes that those things he says will be done, he will have whatever he says. Therefore I say to you, whatever things you ask when you pray, believe that you receive them and you will have them. Jesus continues to teach about the power of faith in the following scriptures. Listen to his words in Matthew 17, 20. So Jesus said to them, because of your unbelief, for assuredly I say to you, if you have faith as a mustard seed, you will say to this mountain, move from here to there, and it will move, and nothing will be impossible for you. In Luke chapter 17, verse 5 and 6, and the apostles said to the Lord, increase our faith. 
So the Lord says, if you have faith as a mustard seed and you can say to this mulberry tree, be pulled up by the roots and be planted in the sea and it would obey you. Now we have some kind of trees out in our yard. What's the name of those trees out in the front yard? Uh, Crepe myrtles. They're a result of the fall somehow. Amen. I'm going to begin to go home and start. Beth tells me all the time, you've got to use your face. So I'm going to start speaking to those great mortals. May you be plucked up by the roots in Jesus' name. So Luke 17 says this, increase our faith. How do we increase our faith? How do we increase our faith? Faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word. Mark 9, 23, Jesus said to them, if you can believe, all things are possible to him who believes. I read this quote, faith is like Wi-Fi. It's invisible, but it has the power to connect you to what you need. I'll say that again. Faith is like Wi-Fi. It's invisible, but it has the power to connect you to what you need. Helen Keller says, faith is the strength by which a shattered world shall emerge into the light. Charles Wesley said, faith, mighty faith, the promise sees and looks to God alone, laughs at impossibilities and cries, it shall be done. In Hebrews 11, 4 through 10, the author gives us examples of how the, elders, a good, how the elders received a good testimony through faith. And I want to take these scriptures here in just a moment and show you two things about faith, and then we'll finish this in another setting. First of all, I want to share with you about faith's worship. And secondly, I want to faith, share with you about faith's walk. And then in a later setting, we'll talk about faith's work and faith's warfare. Faith worship, Hebrews eleven four. By faith, Abel offered to God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain, through which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and through it, he being dead, still speaks. Abel demonstrated the worship of faith. In a time of prayer a few weeks ago, the Lord gave me this thought. He said, prayer has a voice. And I want you to see verse 4 there says this. It says, he being dead, still speaks. Faith can speak beyond the grave. That's our influence. That's our life. And I was thinking about, as Linda was singing this morning, I was thinking about Harold this morning and thinking about what a precious man he is and his faith was speaking to me today. His godly life, his commitment to Christ, his commitment and love for this church was speaking as you were singing today. His faith was speaking to me from beyond the grave. Isn't that beautiful? Isn't that beautiful how God can use that and how God can do that? And I think about others from this congregation who've gone home to be with Jesus, Myron and, and other men and women of God who've gone home. And their lives still speak because they were men and women of faith. So Abel demonstrated faith's worship. By faith, Abel, the son of Adam and Eve, offered a sin offering. He acknowledged his own sinfulness and, and need of mercy. His brother Cain brought a faithless offering. He offered of the fruit of the ground. He offered a bloodless sacrifice. He did not follow the pattern of shedding of blood that God established when he made coats of skin for Adam and Eve. Cain came to God in self-righteousness and violated the command of God. There's some scholars that believe that Cain and Abel were both twins. I don't have time to teach on that this morning, but they believe that they're both, they were twins. But one became, went to God based on the way God had outlined and patterned in his word. How many of you know you can't deviate from God's word? We come to God in God's terms, not on our own. We don't come, see, that's self-righteousness. That's man-made religion. That's what Cain instituted. He brought a faithless offering, a bloodless sacrifice. He came in self-righteousness and he violated 
the pattern of God, the command of God. Hebrews 9.22 says, without the shedding of blood, there's no remission or forgiveness of sin. Cain attempted to please God without faith. Worship involves faith. Hebrews 11.6, without faith, it's impossible to please him. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he's a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. I'm going to break that down for a moment. Without faith, it's impossible to please God. For when we come to God, we must first of all believe that he is. That means he's an ever-present help in the time of trouble. He's not the great I was. He's not the great I will be. He's not the great someday. He is. We must believe that he is present right now, here, in this moment. We must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. So we have to diligently seek the Lord. You know, worship begins with our acknowledgement of our need of Christ. In Luke chapter 18, verse 9 through 14, Jesus shares the parable of the Pharisees and the tax collector. How many of you know that there was a Pharisee and there was a tax collector? Now, I want you to notice this. The Pharisee outwardly appeared to be religious, and he was self-righteous. What does it mean to be self-righteous? Well, listen to the prayer he prays in Luke 18, 11, and 12. The Pharisee stood and prayed thus with himself, God, I thank you that I'm not like other men, extortioners, unjust, adulterers, or even as this tax collector. He's coming to God based on his own concept of what is good. See, man looks on the outward, but God judges the heart. Verse 12, listen, he says, I fast twice a week, and I give tithes of all that I possess. I wonder if I could get him to join our church, amen. He could walk the aisle and join any church in this city. And we would say, that's a good man. But yet God gets to the heart of the matter. But the tax collector prayed this way. Standing afar off would not so much as raise his eye to heaven, but beat his breast saying, God, be merciful to me, a sinner. Now, the Pharisees keeping the law, but Jesus is praising the tax collector. Worship's not about us, but it's about the Lord. It is an act of faith. It is an act of surrender. It is an expression of our love to the Father. Abel offered gifts to God. He brought an acceptable sacrifice to God which said, I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. Worship begins when we acknowledge our need of Christ. Matthew 5, 3 says, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Now what does that mean, poor in spirit? That don't mean that I have to be poor in the sense that I don't have any money. That's not talking about that kind of poverty. It's talking about a spiritual poverty. We acknowledge our poverty of spirit by faith. We come to God and we say, God, without you, I can do nothing. See, self-righteousness makes it about me, but true righteousness makes it about him. Self-righteousness, I'm not as bad as those other people, and I'm doing my part, and Lord, you should bless me because of all the good that I'm doing. But his righteousness... Come on, somebody. It's what makes a difference in our life. And if we're totally honest, we know our shortcomings. We know our faults. We know our failures. We know our weaknesses. And when we come to God, we have to come in faith and acknowledge, without you, I can't do one thing. Without you, I can't do anything. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me, but without you, I can do nothing. We do that by faith. We come to worship in his righteousness alone. We have standing to worship because of his shed blood at Calvary. Cain formed man-made religion. This was a religion without the shedding of blood. Man-made religion is a religion on our own terms. 
lot of that around today. It does not agree with the teachings of the word of God. We worship because of the atonement. People tell me, I don't need church. I don't need to go to church. I don't, you know, I'm a Christian. God loves me. Well, what about your spiritual gifts? And what about other people that need your encouragement and your support? Well, I write on Facebook. I got a Facebook ministry. And I love all these Facebook prophets. And I just get up there and prophesy to anybody and everybody. No, you know, no boundaries, anything. Just, and I think, good gracious, what do we come to in the church? We need each other. You say, but pastor, we don't always get along. No, but we don't always get along with our family either. But we don't shortcast them to the curb, do we? Boy, I'm preaching good. Can't get no help in here. Man-made religion is religion on our own terms. Somebody told me one time, me and God's got an arrangement, Pastor. I said, really? That's interesting. I said, me and God has an arrangement too. They said, really? I said, yeah, it's called his word. That's the arrangement. He lays it out and I obey it. I'm preaching good. Hallelujah. We worship in spirit and truth because we're redeemed by the blood of the Lamb of God. Tim should never have to beg us to worship. And he should never have to say, come on, folks, let's stand up. Come on, folks, let's worship God. We ought to worship out of our hearts because we've been redeemed by the blood of the Lamb of Calvary. First Peter 1, 18 and 19, for as much as you know that you were not redeemed with corruptible things as silver and gold for your vain conversations received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. I'm no longer in, in a child of, the, of Satan. I'm no longer bound by darkness. I'm no longer bound by sin. I'm a child of the king. I have eternal destination in heaven. If the, if the rapture takes place today, if the trumpet sounds today, I'm going to be gone. Hallelujah. I've got something to worship about, something to shout about. Worship is by faith. Now listen, what happens when we worship? The Lord enthrones himself in our praises. What's that mean? He moves his throne right in the midst of our praises. Psalms 22, 3, but you are wholly enthroned in the praises of Israel. We worship because he's worthy. Abel worshiped God according to the pattern God outlined. Cain violated the command of God and brought a sacrifice that was unacceptable because it was not according to the plan of God. God said there must be bloodshed to make an atonement for sin. Jesus came to this fallen planet to die for our sins. He shed his blood so that we may become true worshipers, just as Abel did in Hebrews eleven four. We now worship him by faith because he opened a new and living way. We worship him by faith, but we also walk by faith. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 11, verse 5, and let's talk about our faith walk. Listen to what it says. By faith, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death and was not found because God had taken him. For before he was taken, he had this testimony that he pleased God. We learn in 2 Corinthians 5, 7 that we walk by faith and not by sight. Are you walking by faith today? Are you living by faith? Does your walk of faith bring, does it please God? Enoch was a man who walked by faith. Listen to what it says. By faith he was taken away so that he did not see death. His life of dedication and devotion was pleasing to God. Enoch was one of two men who were translated in the Old Testament and did not see death. The second being Elijah, the prophet of the supernatural. 
taken in a chariot, in a whirlwind, caught up to heaven in the presence of God. Elisha saw it and he said, my father, my father, the horsemen of Israel in the chariot thereof. Now that's the way to go. Come on, somebody. Wouldn't that be awesome? Well, that's what's going to happen one day to the believing church. The Bible doesn't tell us much about Enoch, but it reveals that he was a man who had a testimony that he pleased God. And what a testimony. If we come to the end of our journey and people simply say, these men or women had a testimony that pleased God, that would be an awesome thing. Tammy often talks to me about her late husband, Billy. Matter of fact, she's given me songs that he sang and poems that he wrote and uh, things that he wrote and visions that he saw. I believe his life pleased God. Every so often, I pull out some things that were from my father. He, he didn't serve the Lord, but about five or six years, but he served the Lord with his whole heart. And he would write things in a notebook, and I have those things, and I'll get them out and read them sometimes. And I think that his life pleased the Lord. We could talk about a lot of people here today that have gone on to be with Jesus. Their life pleased the Lord. We could talk about others. Brother James Tolleson, man of God, preached the gospel, pastored churches, sacrificed and gave his life to the things of God, he and his wife and family. His life pleased the Lord. What a testimony. What will they say about us at the end of our journey? And it's coming. Time is fleeting. It, it goes by so quickly. And it seems like the older you get, the quicker it goes. Listen, it was just Christmas. And now it's Valentine's. And now it's fixing to be spring and summer. And this year will be over. And it'll be Christmas again before we know it. Am I preaching okay? What are they going to say about us at the end of the journey? He had a testimony that pleased God. First, Genesis 5.22 says Enoch walked with God. Genesis 5.24, and Enoch walked with God and he was not for God took him. In the small New Testament book of Jude, it's only one chapter, we learn that Enoch was a preacher of righteousness. And in Jude chapter 1 verse 14 and 15, he lists his prophecy and he's prophesying about the Messiah 3,000 years before Christ. Listen to what he says. Now Enoch the seventh from Adam prophesied about these men also saying, Behold, the Lord comes with ten thousands of his saints to execute judgment on all, to convict all who are ungodly among them of all their ungodly deeds which they have committed in an ungodly way and of all the harsh things which ungodly sinners have spoken against him. This man's prophesying about Armageddon. He's prophesying about the end time 3,000 years before Jesus ever made an appearance. Remember his testimony, please God. He walked by faith. By faith, he saw down through the quarter of time the revelation of the Lord Jesus Christ coming with his saints at the battle of Armageddon to execute vengeance against the enemies of God. The Bible lists Enoch as one of the great generals of faith. And in Genesis 5.21, we understand from the scriptures that he was the father of a man by the name of Methuselah. Methuselah, you know what the name means? It means when the child dies, the end shall come. Now think about your dad or mom giving you a prophetic name. When you die, judgment's coming. He had a prophetic name because his father was a prophet of God who saw the coming flood and judgment of God. He saw these coming events because he was a man of faith. And every time his name was called, it was a warning to the people of that day. Methuselah, I can see his mama now. On, Methuselah, it's getting dark. Get in here and get your supper. 
And they say, what did she call you? Methuselah. That means when you die, judgment's coming. Yeah, my dad's a prophet, but he disappeared. He was walking with God one day, and he was not because God took him. Wow. Wow. What a message to that generation. God's calling us to be people of faith today. Romans 4.12 instructs us to live by faith. Romans 1.17 says the just shall live by faith. Matthew 21.22 says be strong in the faith. Do you live by the faith of the Son of God? Hebrews 12.2 reveals Jesus as the author and finisher of our faith. Enoch prophesied the future by faith. He lived by faith. He walked by faith and his faith pleased God. Therefore, he was translated, or we'll say it in a more contemporary term, he was raptured by God. So we see the rapture before Paul ever comes along and reveals the mystery of the rapture to the church. It's already encoded into the Old Testament with Enoch and Elijah. Here's my thoughts. This is just my opinion, okay? I believe that Enoch loved God so much that he would get out on the hills and fellowship with him. And I believe one day he just walked so far fellowshiping and praying and crying out to God that God said, you're just closer to my house than you are to yours. I believe I'll just take you. And he came and he took him. And he was not. And it's recorded in the inspired record. And if you do the math and you look at it, Methuselah lived. He had a son named Lamech. Lamech had a son named Noah. And when Noah finished that ark, he kept that door open for 30 days. Methuselah lived, I believe, up to the 30 days prior to the closing of that door. And when he died, 30 days later, they closed the door and the flood came and brought judgment on this earth. We often just read that scripture and we miss the story of who Enoch was. I don't know about you, but I want my faith to be pleasing to God. I want to live by faith. I want to walk by faith. Our trust and confidence is pleasing God when, he, when we take him at his word and believe his promises. By faith, Hebrews eleven five, 5, Enoch was taken away so that he did not see death. And he was not found. That means they went looking because God had taken him. Listen to it from the New Living Translation. It was by faith that Enoch was taken up to heaven without dying. He disappeared because God took him. Before he was taken up, he was known as a person who pleased God. How about it, friend? Do we want to be known as a church that pleases God? Do we want to be known as people who please God? Do we want to be known as families who please the Lord? Like this great leader of old, our faith will take us home to the city celestial we are seeking today. Listen, we live by faith. We walk by faith. And if Jesus tarries his coming and we come to that place where it's our time to go home, we go home by faith. My dad used to say it this way. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to inhale here and exhale in glory. He had cancer. Had a, he had a, a very aggressive form of colon cancer. He fought it for a long time and we would win some battles and we'd feel like we had it whipped and it would come back. And my dad was never a man who was very fearful of things. I don't remember seeing him fearful very often in his life. And I would come down, I was living in Maryland and I would come down to stay with him some and he was in the hospital for several weeks at one time and he would walk. And so I would get him and I'd walk him up and down the halls. And every time I'd be with him, I'd speak faith to him. And I asked him one day, I said, Dad, Daddy, are you scared? He said, Son, I win either way. If God heals me, I win because I get to be here with 
my grandchildren, and I get to continue my ministry with him. He said, but if God chooses to take me, I'll be in glory one day. I thought that's a good way to look at it. We so hung up sometimes on, oh, if we say something negative, we're, listen, you're going to have negative moments and negative thoughts, and sometimes you're going to say things that are negative. God can handle that. You just can't dwell on that all the time. It can't become a way of life to you. Amen? I shouldn't get a good amen. You, you, got, to, you got to speak your faith, but sometimes you got to be realistic and look at it. And I thought, wow, I was praying for God to, to heal him and raise him up because I felt like he had work to do for the kingdom. And I was a little selfish. He was my dad, and I only had him saved for about six years of his life. Had the best six years in relationship with him because he finally understood who I was and why I did what I did because he loved the Lord at that moment. Paul said it this way, to live is Christ, but to die is gain. Hallelujah. Folks, it's faith that's going to take us home. It's faith going to take us in the rapture. When he comes, will he find faith on the earth? Think about that. Faith going to take us home. Faith is a part of everything that we do. And we have to live this thing out by faith. Let me close with simply this little thought. A.W. Tozer said, God is looking for people through whom he can do the impossible. What a pity that we plan only the things we can do by ourselves. That, that spoke to me. God is looking for people through whom he can do the impossible. What a pity that we plan only the things we can do by ourselves. God will provide for his children. Charles Spurgeon told the story of his grandfather, James, and his faith in God. He said he had a large family and a very small income, but he loved his Lord. And he would have not given up his preaching of the gospel for anything. One day, the cow on which the family relied for milk for the children suddenly died. And James Spurgeon's wife was greatly concerned. But he said, God will provide, and I believe he could send us 50 cows if it pleased him. On that same day, a group met in London, a group James Spurgeon did not know. They wanted to help meet the needs of poor pastors. They raised a large sum of money and began sending it to different pastors in need to help their families. When they reached the end of the list, there was still five pounds left. One man suggested sending it to James Spurgeon. Another said, no, let's not just send five pounds. Let me have five more to go with it. Others joined in, and the day after his cow died, James Spurgeon received 20 pounds in the mail. You can keep Trust God to keep his promises and provide for your needs. Philippians 4.19, my God shall supply all your needs according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. He's our provider and we have to embrace him by faith. So I was sharing that story. I was thinking about Brother John Todd, 90 years young, still serving the Lord. He don't travel, but he has a ministry with the telephone. He calls young preachers and men who are younger than himself, like me, prays and encourages, shares the word of the Lord. can't tell you how many times I've been in a place where I just wanted to give up and the phone would ring and it would be Brother John Todd. Sitting in my office one day, so all alone, in such a place of despair and discouragement. My secretary buzzed in and says, Brother Todd's on the phone for you. I said, please don't disturb me. 
I got on the phone with Brother Todd. And by the time he finished praying, discouragement, despondency, loneliness had left me and gone. His mom and dad were early preachers in the Pentecostal Holiness Church. They pastored a church called Flatwoods. It's in Elberton. Some of you know it. Brother Hart was there for over 50 years. He had the longest tenure in the denomination. If you go to that church to this day, there's a well out in the front of the parsonage that's there next to the church. Brother Todd had gone somewhere and the deacons had hired somebody to come and dig a new well. The well had gone bad. And I'm from Calhoun Falls. We even had that hard sulfuric water. They have hard water over there and you have all that granite. They knocked on the door and Sister Todd came to the door and they said, we're here to drill the well. Do you know where Brother Todd wants the well? She said, just give me a minute. So she went in the house and she prayed. And the Lord said, tell them to dig the well right there in the front. So she went out and she said, we want that well right there. They said, well, you don't put a well in the front yard. We'll just wait for Brother Todd to get here. Come on, somebody. When Brother Todd got there, they said, sir, your wife told us to put the well right here. And he said, we, we think we should put it in the back. It shouldn't be out front. He said, if she said to put it there, you put it there. Let me tell you what they did. They hit the best well in that whole town. The doctor would come by and fill up big jugs of water to use with his patients. That well had the clearest, cleanest, best water in town. How did that happen? By faith. Brother Todd tells one more story. Let me tell you and we'll, 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 we'll finish. They had a cow and they used the cow to get milk. You didn't get milk at Bilo in them days. And that cow got sick. Quit giving milk. So this woman of God got her a bottle of oil and she went out and she anointed that cow. Do I have to tell you what happened? Cow got well. You say, oh, God won't heal a cow. Yes, he will. I'm telling you, God can heal a cow. God can heal an individual. God can heal a city. God can heal a nation. If we will believe. Can we just lift our hands all over this room and give God praise? Hallelujah. Come on, let's praise him for a moment. Father, I thank you this morning for the word. Your word is settled in heaven forever and ever and ever. And I thank you in Jesus' name that, Lord, you're going to touch us, you're going to bless us, and you're going to help us today. For it's not by might nor by power, but it's by your Spirit, says the Lord of hosts.